Hi, and welcome back to the Positive Success Show. I'm your host, Dominique Narciso, and I'm a success coach for high achievers living abroad. I help you redefine personal and professional success so that you can create a simple lifestyle with more income, impact, and freedom. So welcome to episode number 47, Turn Failure into Fun, with crew coach Corinne Rayson. So this was a super, super fun interview that I did with an amazing entrepreneur based out of Australia, and she just has some incredible stories working as a kindergarten teacher to uh, working on super yachts and finally getting her counseling degree to become uh, a counselor at in prisons in Australia, and th- the list goes on. Her story is incredible, lots of golden nuggets in there. If you're considering or thinking about transitioning into a new career or pursuing something that really lights you up, have a listen to this interview take some notes down, write all the little bits and pieces of information that inspire you, and get into action. Take action on your dreams. All right, here you go. Here's the interview. Enjoy. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to the Positive Success Show. I have a very special guest today. Her name is Corinne Rayson, and she is a crew coach, a leadership coach, a human behaviorist, a counselor, Anything and everything you want her to be, she is that cool person that you just want to be your friend. Um, Corinne, welcome <laughs> to the show. I am so excited to have you and so excited uh, that, you know, we connected. And I'm just, you know, this, this, this show is really about helping folks who particularly uh, live abroad. Uh, maybe they move to a new country, they're changing jobs, they're in between careers, they're transitioning. Uh, they have some type of life, big life transition happening. And the challenge is, how does one redefine personal and professional success? Um, mm. And that's kind of the, the context of, you know, this is the ongoing question that I help uh, my listeners answer. And so with your story and with your journey uh, as an entrepreneur, can you kind of like give us, you know, give us an idea of the different types of things that you've done in your life to get to where you are today, to get to you know, being the crew coach and living the life that you're living. Sure. Thank you so much, Gracie, for having me here. I've been listening to your podcasts and they're so inspiring and you have such a beautiful voice. It's so soothing and calming. Thank you. (laughs) My friend said, Dom, you have a podcast voice. I'm like, oh, really? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So my journey, it's quite a long one, but I'm going to try and make it short. Um, where, so I grew up in South Africa and in a place called Durban, and it's almost like that white picket fence lifestyle. And most of my friends are married with children. I'm not married, don't have any children yet. And I felt like there was something more to life than just that. And I did want to go overseas and experience whatever it is that I was destined for. I immigrated to Australia after finishing my undergrad in psychology and organizational psychology. I have an obsession around human behavior. I absolutely love it. I find it so interesting why we do the things that we do. And I knew deep down that I was going to do something with it at some point. So immigrated to Australia with only $2,000 in my bank account. 
And I refuse to ask my parents for a cent. I'm like, I'm going to do this on my own. And the exchange rate was quite significant. Maybe it was eight to one or something like that. And when I saw the price of food, I think there was a drought in Australia and bananas or cucumbers were really expensive. And I converted it. So I'm like, 50 rand for a cucumber. I'm like, I'm not going to pay for that. And I think I was like living off $30 a week. I don't know how I did it. And I would walk for kilometers and kilometers because I didn't want to pay $3.50 for the bus. I was very conservative. I got a job working at a university, the University of Notre Dame. And I think they've got a few all over the world. And I was a PA to the executive director. And it was very exciting for me. It was my first professional job. I think it was earning about $500 a week which doesn't seem like a lot at all at the time. So I'm a bit confused by that. But anyway, it was a step into the door of my new realm of the professional world. Probably about eight months in, I thought, I can't do this anymore. I'm just shuffling paper. I'm not making an impact. I don't feel like I'm in alignment with what I'm supposed to do. I want to make a difference in other people's lives. And I think that's so important to recognize when you don't feel any joy in your life, that it's an opportunity to take a step back and reflect on what's not working so that you can make it work for yourself. And I don't know how I found this position, but I ended up working as a kindergarten teacher in a Montessori school. And I was so happy because I thought that's what I wanted. I wanted to work with children. Um, in the future, in more of a, a counseling space. That job was so stressful. <laughs> I had mostly boys in my class and they're jumping all over the place. And the way you discipline in a Montessori school is very different. You've got to go, stop. I don't like it. <laughs> very passive. And I don't believe you should scream at your kids or anything like that. But it did tested my, pa my patience and it made me very ill, I would say. I was really sick from the stress. And I read an amazing book during that time called Ask and It's Given. I don't know if you've heard of it. Oh my gosh, that's, um, yes, I have. I think I've read it. It's by- Is it Seth? It's, it's, is it Seth? No. No, it's not uh, Seth. Oh, name. It's tip of, tip of, tip of the- Oh, hey. Hicks, yes, yes, yes. Oh my gosh. Okay, I'm totally reading that book. I'm reading that book right now. It's no. My oh my word. Yeah. It's <laughs> amazing. So I tell you what, that book's phenomenal. I read it. I did all the exercises. Yeah. I asked for a new car. Um, I didn't have a car. So I just asked for a car. I got a new car. Um, and I asked for a job that was walking distance from my house so that I could I was living in Sydney, Australia at the time, so I could run on Bondi Beach in the mornings before work. Uh, I asked for $1,000 a week. I got everything, everything that I asked for. I got the new car, didn't have to pay for it. Like, it was just insane. How did you get and the new car? <laughs> the new car was through the new job that I got. So oh, I transitioned. Oh, my gosh, so amazing. Yeah, I transitioned out of that, and then I started working for a very wealthy family in Darling Point on the same street as Nicole Kidman. And they had a special needs son who was six years of age. And then I looked after their three-year-old as well. 
and I would fly around the country with the children to the holiday homes, etc. And I think it was a really good opportunity for me to have exposure to a child with autism uh, to feel whether or sense whether this was my pathway. Um, I was working 10 hours a day and again, very stressful, like a huge amount of responsibility. I was only 24 years of age and I went home to South Africa probably a year later for a holiday and everyone was talking about the super yachts and I knew I had um, a desire to travel around the world, but not to return to my home country with no money. Mm-hmm. So I was listening about the super yacht industry and I was like, wow, that's really interesting. You can earn a really good salary. Don't have to pay for rent or for food. I think, I, I think it's changed now, but we didn't have to pay for tax or like, it was great. It was, it was perfect. I'm like, yes, I want to do this. And so I didn't want to go. I was having such a good time in Cape Town, South Africa. I wasn't quite ready to go back to my nanny job. And less than 24 hours of flying back to Australia, I get a message saying, if you're having a good time, stay. They were going through a separation. And I did. And I did my course, my SDCW 95, um, firefighting and life-saving course. And I was asked by my uni friends if I wanted to join them on a canyoning trip. So you would hike in the mountains and then jump into pools of water. I got to my third jump and I looked down, it was three stories. And I thought, oh, that's a bit steep. I'm like, I don't know if I could do this. And I was like, you can't turn back. And there was probably 26 guys and three of us girls. And one of the girls jumped in before me. So I was like, if she can do it, I can do it. So I'm just going to do it. And then the boys count did a countdown for me. So I just did a run and a jump over off the cliff. I shattered my pelvis and broke my L5 vertebra. I thought I was just winded. So somehow I managed to swim to the shore. I got up. I couldn't move my back at all. And they were like, we have to call the helicopter to come pick you up. And I didn't travel with any travel insurance because I was going back to home to South Africa. I didn't think that I would need it. And they said it was going to cost 80000 to get picked up by the helicopter. And I was like, it's okay. I'll lie here for a bit and then I'll walk later this afternoon. They're like, you can't walk and we can't carry you. Yeah. So helicopter came, came to pick me up and I got attached to the stretcher bed airlifted out the bed was outside of the helicopter I must say the view was spectacular and the paramedic was just as gorgeous (laughs) it wasn't such a bad experience after all and I ended up going to a public hospital that was completely dilapidated and they told me that I needed to watch out for my mobile phone because they steal babies at this hospital it was a nightmare. It was such a horrific experience. And the doctors were newly graduated out of their course. And I got discharged the next day. And the doctor told me, just, you're fine. Just don't go for a run or anything like that. I'm like, a run? I can't walk. I don't know what you're talking about. I had to have a pan to urinate in. Like, it was terrible. 
And then I saw a specialist and he was like, oh my gosh, how are you walking? Your L5 vertebra is severed. There's like a gap through your spine. And then I ended up flying to Australia when it was safe to do so. Six weeks later, I was on a yacht in Italy. I managed to line up a position through a friend in South Africa, got on a yacht. I worked on a 72 meter, 60 and a 48 meter. I was in Maldives for six months, traveled all through the Mediterranean, and it was a completely different lifestyle that no one could even imagine. It was insane. So, yeah. And again, when you talk about finding your career purpose and your why, that was great for me right then. And I think it's so important to trust the process that you're on. But that niggling feeling came back. I was hoovering the main salon, dusting the same thing that I dusted, you know, hour before because it has to be absolutely spick and span you detail with an earbud and a toothpick that's the level of cleaning that you do and one of the guests um he was on a jet ski and he smashed through a marine reserve like damaged the coral and then just stumbled onto the beach and the security guards picked him up and said what are you doing this is like a marine reserve and he's like, don't worry, the bait, the boat will pay for it. So no care in the world. It's just, you know, bad money. And with that mentality that I can do anything that I want because I've got the money to do so. I can buy my way out of things. And that, and there were prostitutes on board. And I thought, oh, my God, this is terrible. I've got to save them. I've got to save them. And it was just not in alignment with my values. And I, that's why I felt miserable and sad. I'm like, I, ca- I can't do this. If it, doesn't, uh, if it doesn't serve what I wanted to do, the bigger vision I had for myself, then why am I wasting my time being here? And there was a lot of crew politics, uh, conflict happening on board. And I was in the middle of a lot of it, meaning that, the captain would come to me asking for advice. The girls would be crying with regards to feeling overwhelmed and stressed. And I loved helping them. And I was like, this feels amazing. And it confirmed to me that I needed to pursue a career helping people. And still, I wasn't quite clear on what that looked like, but I knew what the next step was. And that was to get off the yacht and study something else. And that's when I started studying my postgraduate in counselling. And then two years before finishing my degree, I took my placement very early and they offered me a job working in a therapeutic jail. And I thought, are you kidding me? Um, I was destined to work with children, help children. And now you're telling me that I need to do my placement in a jail. And it was very hard to come across these placements. So if you got offered one, the right thing to do is just to take it. And I thought, you know what, if I wanted to be the best therapist out there, I just as well do the hardest job and do something that scares me. And we were discussing previously, I read the book Marching Powder and I did have that curiosity around, you know, why are criminals criminals? Are they born that way? Is it their lived experience? And I was like, maybe this is meant meant to be maybe this is my pathway 
And so I embraced it. And I'm not going to lie to you, it was very challenging, but so worth it. So worth it. So many happy memories and I've got no regrets doing so. I think that's so important that you listen to your guts and trust yourself on things that you may feel is a bit out of your comfort zone because what is the worst thing that can actually happen? Yeah. So um, that's the the start of it. (laughs) (laughs) So you just like, so so for everyone listening, uh, Corinne, she had told me a little bit of her story before, but like adding the whole thing about your breaking your back and like, and you still say like, oh, this is such a nice view from up here. Like it's, you know, you blow my mind. And I think it's, it's kind of that, that sense of adventure and curiosity and um, willingness to reflect and to ask oneself, like, is this still aligned with what I want to do? I think you just exhibit so many qualities of someone that is um, open to learning and growing regardless of the experience. Uh, And I think that is such a a great attitude and mindset to have because you're right. Like we're going to, sometimes we're going to do things and you're going to think that it's going to feel one way, but then it ends up being completely opposite. Um, Mm. Having that mindset of, I'm just going to trust the process. And Mm. um, I think it's just, it's so, there's so many, there's so many nuggets in there, everyone listening. So if you like rewind this podcast, listen to those few bits again um, and just listen to the way that, you know, she is exemplifying risk-taking, bravery, um, action despite fear. Like these are all the things and the qualities that you need in order to move to the next stage of your life. Um, yeah. Oh, go ahead. I think another one is the big one that helped me is turning failure into fun. Mm. So um, had to go, I went for an interview to work in another prison because the current prison I was working in was an hour and a half away from home and it was so taxing the job was so taxing the prisoners were very needy hardly had time to even drink water or eat my lunch and I think being new to it it was overwhelming I remember when my first couple of weeks returning home I was a mute because I was processing the stories that I heard and they were so intense and you've got to be switched on all the time, like actively listening. Then when you're teaching, thinking what you're going to say next, but incorporating their experience and linking it up to the theory that you're teaching. So your mind is continuously active. And it really, I was burnt out a few occasions in my career working in the industry. So I think what was going to help me was to find a job closer to home. And it was probably only a 20 minute drive from the city. So it would would have been a very wanted position and hard to come by. And you know what I thought, I don't think I'm gonna get the job, but let me just have fun and let me just try. Because again, what's the worst that's gonna happen? This is good practice for me. So when the right job comes up, then I'll have more confidence around interviews. So prepared for my, my interview and studied the theory and what I should say. And yeah, I was like brainstorming. They give you the sheet of paper, the questions, and you've got 10 minutes to brainstorm. And I'm like, yep, I've got this. I know what I'm going to do. The next thing they said, well, now we want to talk to you about motivational interviewing and how you would get a resistant prisoner to your program. I was like, yep, sure. So now I've got 
my brainstorm happening in my mind and what I'm going to say. The next thing, this huge guy walks into the room and I've got a panel there. There's my potential boss. There's a prison officer. And then there's like the director of the prison. It was so as intimidating as it was, but this huge man walked in the room and he had big thighs, probably came up to my chest, tats everywhere. And he sat down opposite me in the chair and he said to me, I don't want to f and go to your program. It's a piece of shit. And I was like, what? Excuse me? <laughs> and um, so I had to do, I had to convince this person to do the program. That, that was the task that they set me. But he gave me such a hard time. And I was like, halfway through it I'm like oh my gosh I've actually brought a real prisoner into the room I'm like this is this is really full on and by the end of it I'm like well I'm definitely not going to get this job so I just let go and had a good laugh like and just became myself which I think is so important and I ended up getting the job and I I really didn't think I was going to. And I told the guy at the end, still not knowing if he was a prisoner or what, but he was actually an office guard. And I said, you made that really hard for me. <laughs> and um, he, yeah, we had a bit of a chuckle um, around it. But, yeah, I think it's so important to be yourself yeah. and turn your perception of failure into fun because that's what failure is for. It's your stepping stone to success. And why not have fun along the way? I love that. I love that. It's, it's, it's reframing this idea that failing is bad to, no, failing is something you do when you want to be successful. Um, yeah. It's, and it's, it's so good because as, as a high achiever, like I never thought failure was a good thing. I had to really flip that, um, flip that narrative in my mind to actually do this work, to become an entrepreneur and to change into something different than who I was before. Um, mm -hmm. Oh my gosh, I'm sure you have like loads and loads of stories and we could like keep going. <laughs> so I want to I want to transition uh, real quick into how you made that decision going from um, your job uh, within the jails to yeah. uh, to becoming your own to doing your own business. Like what was your process? Uh, how did you kind of get to that point and decide, all right, I'm going to do I'm going to have my own business. I'm going to become an entrepreneur. Yeah. I think that a lot of it comes down to intuition. And I want to believe in the law of attraction in the universe. So being a high achiever, I'm continuously doing, doing, and going, and going. And I heard this little voice saying, Karine, you need to slow down. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, I'll do it later. I'm just busy right now, but I hear you. I'll, I'll come back to you. <laughs> <laughs> and so I was on my merry way down to the beach on a Sunday to meet a friend for a walk on my scooter because I had a car and a scooter. Scooters are really efficient. So don't have to worry about parking. You can get there quick, go through the traffic. And I'm going to be very honest with the listeners, but I saw a cute guy and I didn't tell you this, Dom. I saw a cute guy and I was like, oh, not bad, not bad. And then the next thought I had was, oh, maybe slow down a little bit. It was drizzling. I was going about 40 kilometers an hour. The next thing, I lost control of the bike and it was spun out of control and it was all slow motion. I feel like I was like dragged along the road for a bit. And I remember the bus being a couple of cars 
behind me and thinking, oh, my word, is this bus going to go over my head or, you know, what is going to happen? And then the scooter, the entire scooter fell on my tiny ankle and shattered it into lots of pieces. And that cute guy came to pick me up and he was holding me under my armpits, but he was in shock and he didn't know what to do. He couldn't move. And I had to direct him. I'm like, right, leave me standing here, get the bike out of the way. And then I was put down on the road and Bondi is known to be quite boho and hippie. And I remember this lady saying to me, now just visualize your happy place. And I thought, oh my God, are you kidding me? I think my ankle's hanging off my foot. <laughs> think about my happy place. <laughs> so anyway, I got picked up by the ambulance, had great time in there, I was on morphine. We had a good laugh. And then I got into hospital and I saw some of the office guards from work and some of the prisoners. And I think I just felt so overwhelmed. I burst into tears that the surgeon said to me that I would be housebound for six weeks. And that was probably the worst news I could possibly hear because I loved my job so much. But that gave me an opportunity to pause. And that was the universe telling me to slow down. And they're like, if you're not going to listen to us, we're going to make you slow down for you. And that's when I studied a business degree. And I was like, okay, how can I serve more people because working in the justice system, depending who's in government at the time, the budget's the first to go and it wasn't aligning with my values. I value justice and it wasn't, I wasn't seeing it and it was burning me out. It was making me really um, disheartened with the system. And I thought about my skill set and I thought about the gaps in the market of where I could use my skill set to close that. And it was yachting. And I did some research around it and ended up, there was one main competitor mm-hmm. and that was the crew coach. I ended up going, to, while I was studying my business degree, I got offered a job in a Melbourne prison and I didn't think I was going to get it. It was like my dream job. And my intuition told me, if you get it, you're packing your things and you're moving. And I've been living in Sydney for 12 years, the best home, the best friends, best lifestyle, everything. But my intuition said, you need to go. And I got the job, packed up my things and left, uprooted and left. And then I had just, I'd been in Melbourne for about six months, submitted my last assignment at the airport and went over to Europe for my grandmother's 80th birthday. And I was going to also make it a business trip and meet the competitor of, yeah, who my competitor was, the crew coach, sent her a Facebook message. And she was like, oh, hi, hun, sorry. Um, I don't live in France anymore. Although I was there for 17 years, I live in Melbourne. And I'm like, what? I just left Melbourne to go all the way to France to meet this woman. And so intuition told me, when you get back to Melbourne, you've got to call her. Then I heard the inner critic come in and go, but what are you going to say to her? You've got nothing to say. And I trusted myself. I was like, it doesn't matter. Just see where the conversation leads you. Called her. She was like, do you want to work for me? Like, do you want to teach or train crew and be based in Europe? 
And I thought about it and it wasn't exactly what I wanted because I wanted to build my own business rather than working for someone else. It just didn't seem right. Mm -hmm. The next phone call I got from her was, would you like the business? You've got two days to decide. And I'm like, oh, my gosh, I've just moved to Melbourne. That's a huge financial responsibility. But anyway, I went with it. And then I moved to Perth to be with family while I got myself set up. And the business is thriving. Oh, my God. Like, I think it's made 400% profit wow. in two years. Wow. Yeah. It's like, and and I love that you you talk about your intuition and going with that inner voice that's telling you and nudging you and asking you like, you need to go do this, you need to go do this. Because I think oftentimes with our logical brain, we're gonna think I need to do the safe thing or I need to do the thing that like, I know what's gonna happen next, but doing the thing that you don't know what's gonna happen next or like following that guidance, mm-hmm. is so valuable. And I think that following the feeling, following the curiosity is what will get you to new heights. Like that's exactly how you're mm-hmm. saying that's what's brought me here is the intuition the voice the the higher calling like what else can you do Dom can you do this can you do that and and I love that you share that because at the end of the day listen to your own voice yeah the positive you know yeah. not the inner critic but the voice that's that's challenging you to to dig deeper and to ask yourself what you know what is what would this look like what would this other kind of life look like Mm. And it it takes practice and I don't want to say, just follow your intuition because I'm sure there's a lot of listeners thinking, but how? I don't understand. Like, what's the difference between the inner critic and the intuition? And uh, I don't, it's too overwhelming. I don't get it. But it's a slow process. It's it's your third brain, I believe, because you've got your brain, you've got your heart and your gut, and that's your third brain. And my biggest tip, is to focus on the feeling because positive feelings have a higher vibration. And so right now while I'm talking to you, literally my vibration is through the roof because I'm so happy and so excited and it's stuff that I love talking about and it just feels so right. So just connect to the feeling. Yeah. 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 So good. Oh, my gosh. I can keep talking. But we're coming down to our our time here. so if there is, there is one thing that you could tell the listeners in terms of, you know, stepping into that next level, stepping into the unknown, stepping into what is exciting, what advice would you give them? Good question. Hmm. I would say trusting yourself. I think is so important and asking yourself where is this self-doubt coming from if you are a bit scared to make that move because so often we can hook ourselves on our family scripts for example and they don't serve us they're not our own and it's about carving your own pathway because you're deserving of that life is short do the things that bring you joy don't let the fear hold you back. I'm like, mm, keep going. <laughs> <laughs> oh, because it's like those simple things, right? Like be yourself, be yourself. Like that is such a basic thing, but 
it's so hard to be ourselves when we're not being true to ourselves. Uh, life is short, you know, do the things that bring you joy, do the things that make you feel like positive. And, and I mean, that's, that is yes, yes, and yes to all of those. Um, and last question, how do you define success? It's doing the things that I love, to be honest. I, I, was, I, I asked a client this the other day and one of his responses was money. And I can't remember the second one, but I've never, my belief system around success and money is do what you love and the money will come. Yeah. And that's how it's worked out for me. I, you, it's not worth, I feel like you'll lose your dream if you just pursue the big dollar signs yeah. because it's about the why behind what you're doing. So good. All right. So how do we get in? How do listeners get in touch with you? Uh, social media, websites, like how, how can they learn more about you and connect with you? So I'm very active on Instagram and that's at the with underscore crew underscore coach. And then on Facebook, the website's pretty easy, www.thecrewcoach.com. Um, but yeah, I think that's about it. That's where I hang out. Um, okay, everyone, any, anyone listening, if you've learned anything or you've been inspired in any way, or if you laughed at, at any moment of her storytelling, send her a DM on Instagram or, uh, you know, connect with her on Facebook. Uh, just, you know, just, just connect. This is, this is what this uh, show is for, um, inspiring you all to lead positive, successful lives. You know, do the things that bring you joy, do the things that light you up and connect with awesome people. That's like, that is life. Connect, 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 and make, make stuff happen. Make it happen. Make shit happen. <laughs> it, it, yeah, it's just based on how we connected, like just that final point there. Yeah. It's so important to, you know, reach out. If your intuition is saying, I, there's something about this person, I need to connect with them, just go and do it. Yeah, absolutely. Hands down. Awesome. Thank you so much for being on the show. I look Thanks forward so to seeing what other good, awesome things you'll be doing in the world. Oh, thank you so much. Thanks for having me. All right. Bye.